And if you really look at this paper, and some people have missed this, they didn't read it properly. We're, we're looking at asymptomatic participants. These, these are people that don't have overt neck pain and disability. Wow. And so we're finding that in these participants, the magnitude of your head posture influences your functional ability and then your autonomic nervous system activity. On the Empire Longevity Podcast, we look to, well, push you, provoke you, educate you, entertain you, and sometimes give you a little shove to your next best decades. So relax and give this one a listen. Thank you for being part of Empire Longevity. Hi, this is Dr. Otto Jenkins. Thank you for joining us tonight for Empire Longevity. We are going across the country right now to, to uh, talk with not only a friend of mine, but uh, easily the top researcher, probably published researcher in chiropractic as we speak today. And we're going to be speaking with Dr. Dean Harrison about a, I think, a phenomenal article uh, that not only helps chiropractors, but it's going to be helping everybody because we're going to talk about something you see every day, which is forward head posture and how it relates to your nervous system. Dr. Dean Harrison, thanks for being with us tonight. Oh, I'm, I'm super excited, Dr. Otto. Thank you uh, for having me. Uh, th- I think this is the second or third time I've been on with you, so every every time I'm just uh, honored to be part of it. Absolutely. Hey, where are you, where, where are you at right now? I'm uh, just outside of Boise, Idaho in Eagle, Idaho. And uh, you said it's what, 70 in sunshine right now? <laughs> yeah, I wish. Yeah, it's in the it's in the 40s and it's cloudy. It's going to rain or snow. <laughs> what? Hey, uh, we'll take the 40s. Let's uh, let's talk. Uh, give our listeners a uh, some background on you. I said you're probably the top research published researcher in chiropractic. Is that am I pretty close with that? Uh, I'm one of them. I'm a, I'm among the top ten. Let's put it that way. At, at one point in my career, I probably had more peer-reviewed publications uh, than uh, than anybody else in terms of raw number. Not not necessarily in terms of quality of research, but in terms of raw number. Uh, but I'm certainly in the top ten of published chiropractic researchers uh, in the in the history of the profession. The uh, and you focus a lot on the nervous system, but also on structure of the spine. Why is that? Well, you know the the idea that you you can have a structural problem with the spine and posture and not have some kind of functional de- deficit or functional disturbance is really kind of absurd to me. So the, the foundational premise of all chiropractic, in my opinion, was alterations in segmental and total alignment of the spine causes some kind of disturbance with the nervous system. And D.D. Palmer said it best. He said dis slash ease. And what he meant was some, he didn't mean a true neurological disorder, like a, a true pathology, but he meant the nervous system is not working at its optimum. There's some interference somewhere, right? And so to me, it's inherent in the profession that alignment influences function, including neurophysiology. So we get right down to the the simplify. If you're not built correctly, your nervous system can't be working correctly. Uh, That's our theory. and, And that's what we propose. And, you know, is that true for every single person? Likely not. But is it true for a lot of people out there and a lot of people with whatever condition, disorder, whatever it is? I would say the answer is yes. You know, I used to do uh, a bunch of uh, going to schools and do the scoliosis checks. And the numbers were 
I thought it was like 3.2% of girls or 2.8% for boys. You might have different numbers. Uh, and the scoliosis itself, how many kids do you think now, what percentage do you think are carrying that forward head posture? Oh, geez. It, true forward head posture with, with a defined amount, depending on how you're measuring it, uh, but within limits of normality, I'm, I'm betting it's 30 to 50 percent of the pediatric population. Once they get into school years and carrying backpacks, they're going to have significant forward head posture. You know, you look at the backpacks, you look at the phones, look at the iPads and the, the damn games they're playing. And I, I'm thinking it's 30 to 50 percent. And, and that's that's using, you know, rather strict limit criteria of saying what is truly anterior head translation. Right. Right. Now, uh, so this article you had was published in Gait and Posture? Yes. Uh, and the title of it is, Is Forward Head Posture Relevant to Autonomic Nervous System Function and Cervical Sensory Motor Control? It's a cross-sectional study. The three other, four other people you had with us, uh, how'd you find those four other docs, those four other researchers? You know what? That's a great question and a great history. And, and uh, I've been doing work now with Professor Ibrahim Mustafa, for probably almost 15 years. Wow. And our work, our work is now just starting to really attract a lot of attention. And the, the way it started was I was in Elko, Nevada, and I'm not kidding, I got a, a email chat on this uh, online forum uh, from, uh, at the time, he was a, a PT, uh, PhD candidate at Cairo University. And he said he would, he, he said he would like to do uh, his PhD dissertation project on a type of traction that that uh, my late father and colleagues and myself, you know, spearheaded. And I, I did a clinical trial on that in 2002. It was called Pope Two-Way In-Office Cervical Traction. And he wanted to study uh, that type of traction in uh, cervical spondylotic radiculopathy cases. And it, we ended up doing a randomized trial together on, on 30 participants. And uh, he ended up getting his PhD from that project. And we published uh, so far two papers uh, out of that, out of just that PhD dissertation. So I met him when, when he was a, basically a grad student. Uh, and then he and his wife just, I mean, they became uh, professors at Cairo University over in Egypt. And then they've uh, recently also moved over to the United Arab Emirates at uh, Sharhar. I'm, I'm sure I butcher the name Sharhar University uh, at the UAE. But but he's uh, he's now the acting uh, director of his department there uh, in uh, physical therapy and rehabilitation with a focus in neuro neurology. And we've just been doing some fantastic work together. And I, I met him basically through research chat rooms where. He was interested in some of the work that, that I had done in, in terms of background studies. Absolutely fantastic stuff. 15 years, wow. Cool yep. stuff. So forehead posture, you, and I, you talked about that uh, maybe 50% of the, of the kids in school, um, I see just an absolute ton of adults walking around with a forehead posture. And you're saying now that there's a, there's a possibility or what you're showing in this research is that our autonomic nervous system, and as we say in my office, the automatic nervous system, the stuff that goes on 24 hours a day, there's an opportunity that that can actually be uh, altered or made worse. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. You know, it's been, you know, proposed and theorized, but nobody's really done true studies showing that there's a linear relationship between 
the magnitude of the forward head posture malalignment and a magnitude of true sensory motor disturbances, which is, you know, sensory motor control is a very interesting field in and of itself, and then the autonomic nervous system on top of that. Uh, and so that, that's really what our investigation sought out to, uh, to look at. Is, is there a relationship between sensory motor control and autonomic nervous system uh, activity and forward head posture? Well, you know, I think we, anytime we see the cervical, the neck stuff in there, we would, we'd anticipate that, that there's going to be a neck problem because it kind of makes obvious sense to us. But I think the autonomic nervous system stuff that comes out, the system function of that, that, that could be altered and um, could be made worse is I think it's uh, actually groundbreaking with this. And it has, it makes so much sense to me that you're going to be stressing this nervous system somewhere and it has got to show up and now we're finding out where it shows up. Yeah, it's a, it's a really cool finding in the study. And I mean, I can't take credit for this exact study design. Uh, you know, we work as a team and some of the studies are kind of my ideas. Some of them are joint ideas. But this one was uh, Professor Mustafa's uh, kind of brainchild to look at and say, is there, is there more than a pain problem and more than a disability problem? And if you really look at this paper, and some people have missed this, they didn't read it properly, we're, we're looking at asymptomatic participants. These, these are people that don't have overt neck pain and disability. Wow. And so we're finding that in these participants, the magnitude of your head posture influences your functional ability and then your autonomic nervous system activity. So uh, in my office, we talk about this all the time, especially, and I love talking to people about the, uh, the immune system. And that's one of my, one of my passions is, is helping people have greater immune systems. Um, so could we make a correlation down the road that if we have a forward head syndrome, that the possibility that our immune system might be not working correctly? Yeah, no, see, these are really interesting questions. And, and I, I, I've got to say this, and I really mean this. Somebody smarter than me has to actually do that. But my, <laughs> you, you know, I'm, a, I'm kind of a one-trick pony. I understand certain things, but, you know, true, like, neurophysiology and immune system right. true function I mean th this takes a, a really different level of understanding of neurobiology and neurophysiology but you, you, the problem with just that alone you can't do it in isolation because we're not just a nervous system in a freaking bubble floating around you know we're a structure and functional being but the idea that the autonomic nervous system uh, influences visceral function and the immune system there's a very strong connection in neurophysiology with that. And there, there's a lot of people that study that field. And I, I just have to bow out of that and say, I, I think that there's, you know, obviously there's clinical insights and it does occur, but how does that happen and to what exactness? That's not my field. Right. Right. Absolutely. Uh, I, so you were talking before about how this was measured and you, you say, uh, you took you took it as, as something that's very very technical, and you and you you made it sound like it was uh, just a glorified uh, lie detector. And what was it exactly? What was done to the the person? Yeah. So when we measured the autonomic nervous system activity, we're basically measuring skin resistance uh, at the the dorsal and palmar surfaces bilateral of the hand. So what you're doing is 
it's kind of like early lie detectors where if I uh, held two cans and I have an electric current that crosses between them, I can measure, I can pump a signal through there and I can measure the speed and the resistance of that current. And you can ask somebody questions and if they start sweating, the, the magnitude and amplitude of that signal is going to change and th those are early lie detectors. Essentially, we're looking at that very same thing. You're looking at electrical impedance uh, of the skin resistance when you have a, an electrical stimuli. And so you stimulate uh, at, at a certain frequency and a certain magnitude, and you change that a little bit so the person doesn't habituate to it. And you, you measure the electric current's uh, speed called the latency, and then you measure its robustness uh, or its amplitude. It's like how many neurons are being involved? Is this like way too robust of a signal? And you look at this like it's like somebody with fibromyalgia. You touch them on the shoulder and they scream out in pain. Right. That's way too big of an amplitude of the signal, right? So we're looking at that with the autonomic nervous system with skin resistance uh, um, electrical impedance devices. And it's, it's quite well established in neurophysiology that that's a way to, to make the measurement. Right. So let's take it one step farther. Uh, in the technique chiropractic biophysics, which um, you are the master, you're, you're the man of that. Um, so first of all, what's the, what's the uh, website people can find you at? Yeah, our, thank you for that. And uh, I really appreciate that. I've taken you know, CBP chiropractic biophysics on after my late father passed. Um, and uh, I've been very fortunate with that. Our, our website is idealspine.com. So it's I-D-E-A-L-S-P-I-N-E.com. And, and you can see everything about CBP technique uh, from seminars to products to publications, things like that. I started being a CBP fan when I was in school at Palmer, uh, taking classes from your, from your dad. Uh, absolutely fundamental. And it's been a, a, a foundation of my practice uh, for the last 27 years. So if we are going to, if we have an opportunity and CBP is a hallmark, is the flag waiver of improving posture, of improving the cervical curve, our, can we make the correlation that if we improve the curve, then we're going to improve the autonomic nervous system? Well, see, now that's a great question, too. It's like, see, this is the thing with research. This, this first project we did, it's called a, a case control uh, cohort. And so we took people with head translation and then people without head translation. And we matched them for age, weight, height, sex, and we, lack, we matched them for lack of pain. And then we find out that the posture plays a role in these autonomic nervous system activities and sensory motor control. What we have to do next is we have to do a separate project and we have to look at, well, now let's take the people that have anterior head translation and have these sensory motor control disturbances and have an alteration in the autonomic nervous system activity. And then let's randomly assign them to a group that gets corrective care to improve their head posture and curve and then a group that gets standard care, which just helps for, you know, pain, function, things like that. And then we see what are the differences in these same measurements in the group that got correction versus the group that didn't get correction. So the good news is, and we haven't talked about this, and I can't really talk about it yet, but we've already done that project. We, we've already done that project. It's actually in review. So we did, this is our 
you know, you, you, you build on your research. So right. we first we first did this paper that we're talking about that just came out uh, this month in Gait and Posture. What what nobody knows is we ha we have a randomized trial already already done. And I don't, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag because you'll have to invite me back again. <laughs> um, but 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 the answer is you, you can you can you can guess that the the reason I'm excited is because we actually found when you correct the neck curve and you correct the posture that you actually improve these disturbances. But we, we, we can't make that claim with, with this paper that just came out. We have to do a, a right. randomized trial, and we, we've already done it, which is awesome. You know, I, I'd be thinking that, uh, that uh, with our history that uh, in chiropractic, we would anticipate that that would that'd be true, but it takes someone to actually put it into, do the study and put it on the paper. Yeah, and in, in fact, in, uh, just to throw a plug out there, that, that paper is not in press yet, it's in review. And I'm actually, on behalf of uh, our team, myself and uh, Professor Ibrahim and his team overseas, uh, I'm presenting that in April at the uh, International Spine Week Conference uh, for the chiropractic section over in Melbourne, Australia. So uh, I'll be presenting that randomized uh, trial for the first time in, in April. Uh, to a group of research peers and, and uh, multidisciplinary uh, professionals. Awesome, absolutely awesome. You know, we see. I, I measure uh, nervous system with uh, high rate variability and with the yep. uh, SEMG and thermal scans. Uh, we do it daily, if not numbers of times a day. Yeah. The the amount of nervous system dysfunction and interference for me in my practice is at all time high when people are coming in. All time high. And I'm seeing more people now with forward head than I have ever seen in 27 years. Yeah, you know what? It makes sense, Otto, because number one, our activities have dramatically changed. We're sedentary. Uh, we're using different devices, and we're not physically active. So our support system is starting to fail. And, and then you add in the environmental toxins and the dietary toxins and, and it's created a, a big problem with people. It, you know, it's obviously multifaceted when you look at nutrition and environmental stressors and, you know, physical traumas, physical stressors too. And so I, I agree, you're starting to see more and more of this stuff uh, that's out there. Uh, and the, the good news is we have answers for it, but they're, they're involved, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, again, run with uh, Dr. Deed Harrison, who came out with, uh, was a member of a research team published in Gait and Posture. And the title of the article is, not, I'll post the uh, article along with, this, uh, along with this interview, is, is forward head posture relevant to autonomic nervous system function in cervical sensory motor controls a cross-sectional study? Uh, came out in March of 2020. Um, and was, what's amazing about this is it's something I think we would have taken for granted all this time, but it actually took someone to to do this and put the you know put the uh, the pen to the paper and the numbers uh, add them all up. And first of all, I want to say thank you for uh, for doing this because this is I think this is a uh, one of those profound papers that if it it should it should make us have a big giant step forward. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. And again, you know, before I say a couple things, I, again, I want to acknowledge my team. Uh, led by Professor Mustafa, it, it's, it's just a dream come true for me. You know, back in my dad's era, when you said you trained under my dad, 
we, we would talk about the structure of the spine, we'd talk about posture, we didn't have true concrete evidence that yeah. said that the posture is the reason for these deficits and these dysfunctions. We inherently knew it because it just made sense and there was some preliminary data, but we, we didn't have these robust studies like this one in gait and posture. And I, I really think that this is one of the best studies ever done on this. Uh, because because of the the way it was done on asymptomatic uh, participants and the way we had very clear inclusion criteria for what is anterior head translation and what is not, and, and then not just the autonomic nervous system function, but the motor control issue that, that we identified in this paper is so important. It's like, if you remember in there, there was a balance stability platform that we stood participants on. And that balance platform, we can have the person standing and we can shift them rapidly to the left or to the right forward or backwards at a certain magnitude and then we see how their center of gravity displaces and then how fast it recovers well this is a huge issue for every type of upright physical activity that you're right. doing you right. know walking running stepping off a curb like the person that steps off a curb that they don't recognize the curb is that big of a drop. And then they go, oh God, and they injure their neck or they injure their back and all they did was step off a curb, right? Well, their sensory motor control was so screwed up that they didn't have a, a, a system where it could predict what was gonna happen and then control the displacements. Well, we, we found that the people with anterior head translation have a huge sway in their center of gravity under these uh, balance platform tests, and then they don't recover as fast. So, I mean, I mean the implications of, of that finding alone in an asymptomatic person, whether it's an older person or an athlete, you would want to optimize the ability of your body to control your center of gravity displacement from a sensory motor problem. And, you know, it's just, it's performance, it's functions, it's less injury, etc. So, the paper is really involved. It's it's got a lot of cool measurements in it. And I, I think some people uh, that I've talked to so far, and of course the paper's early, but they only read the abstract and they don't really understand what it is we did. You know right. what I mean? Right. And so let's, uh, let's break down the sensory motor. It's that um, for the people who um, uh, aren't as uh, uh, scientifically inclined, is how you feel, where you, where you think you are, and how the muscles... Uh, adapt to where you think you are and take that step that balance uh, you take a, you think about this uh, the number of people who fall every year uh, it's it's uh, you know I make this make this point in my practice is that who cares how much calcium you've got in the bone if you keep on falling down all the time uh, right. and these people will they can't they can't have a balance they, they are destined to fall and you look at your uh, your athletes uh, we're going to be blowing out uh, knees and ankles because of this. Uh, you look at the the you know myself, the baby boomers who are who are trying to stay as as active as possible. And if we aren't upright and in line, we are we are destined to fail somewhere. Yeah, ab absolutely. So, like the the you know just for the listeners out there, so they can understand. And I know a lot of doctors understand sensory motor control, but. Some of them don't. It's been a long time since we were in, in you know, didactic <laughs> lectures, right? So it, it's like, you know, somebody yells on, on the right side and, 
you auditorily hear this, it's a sensory input. Well, you have, you're going to have a motor control output, and most people will turn rapidly to that side to see what in the heck went on. Right. Well, that needs to be efficient and and fast, and multiple things need to happen. The joints need to be stabilized by the segmental muscles, and then the global movers need to become active. I need to be able to clearly and coherently turn with ease and look over to see what's happening. And it, it's going to be a very rapid movement because if, if somebody yells or there's a loud sound, you, you have a like what we call a fight or flight reflex. And this also ties into the autonomic nervous system activity. Well, so if, if you don't have the ability to do that efficiently, you're going to injure your joint. You're going to injure the disc, the ligament, et cetera. And, and so these, these ideas with sensory motor control, it can be it can be a sound influence. It could be a sight influence. It can be a smell. If you're a hunter like me in the woods, certain smells light up your nervous system because you know it's a predator or you know that, that maybe there's a dead carcass around. And it's like when you smell death in the woods, you freak out. So these are sensory inputs and you will have a motor control output. and It has to be an efficient response. That is, uh, you know, I'm just, my mind is reeling right now. Um, you and me, we talk about the, this, but uh, uh, all our athletes we see in our practices, the, the, the kids, the babies, the children who aren't walking correctly, is that uh, all this input that they, they can't possibly be taking the, the, the world outside of them and processing it correctly. And I'm going, holy cow, this is, um, this is amazing because, hey, you know, here's a reality. You want to talk about uh, docs and their practices that uh, they should be checking every asymptomatic person for this posture starting tomorrow morning. Yeah, totally agree. And the cool thing is this is really on asymptomatic uh, individuals. A simple postural analysis with a validated uh, measurement method, and it's reported in the paper how we, we looked at it. Uh, and you can screen people. Are you within normal limits or are you not? And there's there's good data in the literature and specifically in our paper that tells you what these cut points are. And you can say, look, you're outside of normal limits and here's what it is likely doing. And then you should look, you know, you should do some of the measurements to, to verify it's having a problem. But, you know, classically the average clinician is not going to measure, you know, skin sympathetic resistance. You don't have the equipment. But you can measure some of the other things like head repositioning accuracy that we looked at. You know, how accurate can you repeat a neutral position from a turned position? Uh, how uh, your eyes track objects in space. We, we can do all those things. And, and then you can be confident that, that, hey, you know what? You have the ability to help this individual by rehabilitating their alignment, right? Absolutely. Absolutely fantastic and so, so cool. Again, my, my guest tonight is uh, Dr. Deed Harrison, who uh, was published in Gait and Posture, along with his uh, team uh, 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 from Egypt, who put out a fantastic, fantastic article that um, I think is one of those, you know, I think this is a, a, such a true wellness uh, article that you start looking at what can we do for people to at least head off uh, injuries or illnesses in the future. And you start looking at this and saying, you know, this is, this is brushing teeth for our spine and our nervous system. Yeah, absolutely. And the cool thing is, it, is it's exciting because we still have a lot more work to do, even though I think that this is, this is one of the best papers I've ever been involved with just because of, of the coolness of the analyses that we did. 
But the next step is, well, let's take these people that have no symptoms, but they have these large anterior head translations and they have these sensory motor control deficits that we've identified. And I'm willing to bet good amount of, of money on it or my reputation that these are the people that they're going to get the neck pain, the disability, the health problems, right? So, so now we, we need to design prospective studies that see this is truly a risk for, you know, needing uh, future medical or future chiropractic be, because of the se severity of the things that will follow when you look at this. Uh, our, our, our sample is a relatively young sample. So we didn't uh, look at people that were, you know, were more than their fourth, fifth decade of life. And, and so if you follow these young adults for a period of time with these head translations and with the abnormal sensory motor control and autonomic nervous system disturbances, I'm willing to bet these are the ones that get in the crisis. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. You, you, can, you can anticipate the, the, uh, the life decay as it goes along. Uh, in the next couple of decades. Absolutely. Absolutely fantastic stuff. Uh, again, our guest is Dr. Deed Harrison, who, uh, again, if you can find him, uh, the work is done at idealspine.com. I go there often. Uh, for Dr. Deed speak a number of times, his dad even more. Uh, just love the stuff. Uh, and if I were someone out there who was interested in this, I'd go to Ideal Spine and try to find a doc in your area who actually will take a look at your posture before as I say in practice all the time, let's not wait till the house is fully engulfed in flames before we start, before we start uh, building it to be better. Uh, I can't impress upon that enough. Dr. Deed, any last words for us? Yeah, the one other thing that I want to talk about in the study was the smooth pursuit neck torsion test. Yep. And a, a lot of doctors aren't familiar with that because we, we just don't do it. Uh, but basically what it's doing is, is it's looking at the ability of your eyes to track an object in space as it moves. And, and we call it the neck torsion test because we do it in the neutral position, but then we turn the torso 45 degrees each way, left and right, and then we test the ability of the eyes to track an object with the neck turned relative to the torso 45 degrees. And so you're looking at the neutral position or with Essentially, your head rotated, but it's really the, the torso that's rotating so it doesn't put true stress on the cervical spine. Okay. And, and what we need to see is your eyes need to be able to track an object in 3D space with a certain degree of accuracy. And, and the known accuracy is you want to have at most a 20% error in the delay of your eye following this object and, and then the error of the path of the object. Anybody that's below 20% or, excuse me, more than 20% error, they have a huge problem with the ability of their eye motor system to track things in space. And, and you know, to, to tailor this to an athlete, because we're talking about young people that didn't have pain in this project. Right. Well, what if I'm an athlete and I'm a baseball player? Well, if, if I have a good visual acuity and the ability of my ocular motor system to track a ball in space, I'm going to have the ability to catch that ball. Absolutely. If, if I have more than a 20% error, I might miss that ball. I might, you know, overstep it. I might, you know, not get my arm up high enough, whatever it is. 
And then you take the non-athlete that's playing catch in the backyard. Why does a ball hit somebody in the face? Why, why does one person not catch the ball as often as the other? Sometimes it's not just coordination. Sometimes it's the ability of the nervous system to adjust in real time to the velocity and acceleration of that object coming at them. And what we found when, when the head is forward, the error in that smooth pursuit neck torsion test becomes 30% on average. So you've got a huge error and you compare it to a person that didn't have head translation, their error is only 10%. So you're talking about a, a huge statistical and real functional difference in the ability of your eyes to track objects in space. And the implication for this is, I, I think, quite large, no matter what you're doing. It could be sport, it could be just walking, it could be whatever you're doing. You, you need to be able to adapt and follow visually objects in the environment, yeah? So once again, the, the head's forward, and these people are unable to their eyes, the signal from the brain to the eyes, the ocular, ocular uh, portions are unable to uh, do this correctly, and therefore they don't track as well. You start thinking about that, and I'm afraid to get on the road tonight as I drive home. Yep, yep, exactly. Why are some of these people, you can watch somebody, and they're swerving all over. They, they accelerate or decelerate too late or, you know, or too fast. Well, it's not that they're a crappy driver. Some of them are, <laughs> but some, some of it is they just – they don't have that fast adaptability of their neurophysiology system, right? Right. Absolutely. Phenomenal. Here's a crazy thing. We start putting this all together and the amount of misinformation going on inside of us because the head forward is uh, at critical levels. Yeah. Very cool project. Very cool project. And uh, last thing I want to say about it, uh, not to belabor it, but the, I think it's one of the best papers in its class because it was done the right way. We did a proper power analysis on the variables. How many participants do we need in each group? And we increased that number. We had 80 participants in each group. And it's enough to make the statistical claims that, that were made in the paper. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, with Dr. Deed Harrison, uh, who's from Idaho tonight, calling us from the... Uh, the, the subtropics that is the that is Idaho uh, and you look at this and something as simple uh, as as posture which is I think one of the most overlooked and misread uh, portions of any physical exam it's not done in, in vast majority of physical exams in doctor's offices and if it is it's done so haphazardly incorrectly that they don't get a true reading we take a look at this and this information that we have an opportunity to help people dramatically. And I would highly recommend people go to idealspine.com, find a doc in your area, go talk with them, get this done, and uh, have them check out that nervous system and that posture and learn about how great you can be. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Dr. Deed Harrison, I appreciate your time with us tonight, your expertise, and I look forward to the uh, to the results of the next paper, and we'll have to have you on so we can talk about that one. If it's anything like this, uh, once again, we're going to have uh, one more giant step forward, not just for chiropractic, but for the health of people. Let's be realistic: for the health of people, uh, this will be absolutely fantastic stuff. I, I agree. Thank you so much, Dita. Appreciate your time, man. No worries. Thanks for inviting me on. <laughs> Always.